and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. Uh, most of the content is paywalled, but some of it is free, including the mailbag column that came up this morning. So go subscribe to that. The podcast you can get on YouTube. You can also get on the Odyssey app, and you can get on Apple, Spotify, all the other usual places that you get podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube also at Rose Garden Report, even if you're not going to watch on YouTube. Subscribing still helps me. So just kind of another, you know, just general check-in, return guest, Brandon Sprague, you know him, Jack Ramsey's Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. Obviously, if, you, if you're if you a listener of mine, you're probably also a listener of one of his, one or both of his programs. So you kind of know what this is. It's just, you know, we kind of bounce around the Blazers and some other NBA topics uh, for about an hour. It's a it's a good time. Uh, you know, we get into the news that just broke about Yusuf Nurkic uh, maybe being able to play tomorrow in Boston, which would be huge. You know, we get into, like, what that might mean. We get into kind of how we think the rest of the season is going to go as far as, like, their chances at making a playoff run versus, you know, not playing for the playoffs. And we kind of get into the merits of some of that and – you know, also like how the team building approach might go this summer. It's a, it's a good discussion. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So let's get to that now. Thanks for doing this again, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me on, Sean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's always a pleasure. So kind of good timing here. About like less than an hour ago, news broke. That, and I have to say I wasn't expecting this and I don't know if you were either or thought it was a possibility but Yusuf Nurkic apparently is upgraded to questionable for the game tomorrow against the Celtics which means maybe he actually plays which he hasn't played in over a month he got hurt in the Memphis game on February 1st and has missed the last 14 games and we just kind of thought you know with the calf injury that's something that takes a lot of ramp up and they Chauncey had been saying like oh he only you know he's he's been doing some on-court stuff but now it's like oh my play tomorrow okay cool <laughs> <laughs> well i think too like the last questionable guy we had where i remember seeing it and look you're you're the beat guy right but like mm-hmm. i remember seeing it and i, I kind of have an idea or i read your stuff and i try to keep up as much as i can i i remember being cut off guard and oh they yeah said ant's questionable and then boom he's starting and he's playing and you know, it's really unfortunate for him and the team that he kind of re-aggravated the ankle stuff. But um, I don't know. I, this one kind of caught me off guard. I, you know, I've been talking about the Blazers a little bit lately on the radio show, uh, mainly Dame stuff because the team's been so mad. Yeah. But, uh, the Nurk thing, like, I've, I've kind of just been out there with it. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they shut him down. There's, what, 17, 18 games, 19 games, whatever it is. And I just don't think they're very good, but maybe this is the move where he's healthy enough to go. And, you know, this is the last real push because their schedule is certainly not easy. They have Houston obviously coming up at some point, but I think they're done with Houston. I think they've got, I think San Antonio is their only. Yeah. Maybe that's who it is. A Texas team. And then, you know, Philly, Sacramento, and you got Boston tomorrow. Like your schedule starts at Golden State. I think they got one more. Like I've got Boston twice. They've got the Knicks who are like the hottest team in the NBA right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've got, they've got, uh, they've got Memphis one more time. Although, you know, that's obviously gone kind of sideways. They've got the Clippers. They've got uh, Utah who's still hanging in there. I think the thing is though, I think they still feel like, and I mean, this is what Dame has been saying the whole time and why I've always kind of pushed back against the idea that they're going to try to tank even when it looked like it might be that way. You look at where they are in the standings right now. Right now they're in a four-way tie with Utah, the Lakers, and New Orleans. Technically, according to the ESPN standings, like these different sites could calculate the tiebreaker stuff wrong or differently or whatever the case may be. But like, I'm looking at it on ESPN right now. They are 
they have the exact same record, 31 and 34, as three other teams. They are technically, based on tiebreakers, in 10th right now. And I think they feel like, look, the Lakers, like, LeBron's still, you know, going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. Who knows, you know, if he's going to be able to come back. Uh, New Orleans, still without Mm -hmm. Zion. Like, that's not, like, a juggernaut. Uh, And then Utah, like, they're still hanging in there, but they're still, like, you know, they, they, based on what they did at the deadline, they're clearly not, like, going all out trying to make the playoffs. Like, that's not their goal for the season as an organization. It's kind of looking like, you know, maybe Oklahoma City's fallen out a little bit. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's resting, some ga- resting games or whatever. Uh, I think they're looking at it like, you know what? We know we're not very good. The roster is what it is. The team is what it is. The record is what it is. But we still got a shot. We can still make a little push here. Well, absolutely. I think that's what a Nurkic return would do for him. Now, if we buy it, that's a different conversation. But Dame wants a shot. That's all Dame wants Mm -hmm. is a shot. I think Dame understands the reality of where they're at right now, even with that shot. But it's funny, Sean, like you're, you're around the team, you're around the city. You see, talk these fans too. like most of my friends or family who are fans at this point are more disappointed by them going for that than doing the cliche basketball fan. Go for the Wimby sweepstakes, like give yourself more ping pong balls. So I know that's not where everybody is and where the team is, but there there are those fans that out there that exist like that. Like, eh, oh, need- everybody's everybody's. I mean, I think the thing to keep in mind, and I this is something because like when I was younger, before I was like doing this professionally, and I was like around these guys all the time, talking to people all the time, like. You know, I, I, I definitely used to have that kind of mindset, you know, when I was just, like, a fan watching from home being like, well, my team's not going to win a championship. And uh, whoever, <laughs> you know, whoever it is, whether it's, like, Andrew Wiggins or, you know, one year it was, like, my producer Mario and I were talking about this before you jumped on, but, like, Shabazz Muhammad was, like, the guy everybody was tanking for one year. Like, whoever whoever it is, I was always like, oh, man, it would be awesome if they could get this guy or, like, you know, lose a bunch of games. But, like, look... I lived it last year. I was the only media member. Maybe this is like just, this isn't like me like talking myself up. I just happened to be the only person probably in the city of Portland that didn't get COVID at some point. And I still never had it, by the way. But like, I was the only media member that went to all 41 home games last year. <laughs> I, even if it's just for like two weeks or whatever, right. or, or, or four weeks or however long the rest of the season was or is at this point. I don't want to do that again. Like it's yeah. not, and I mean, it's a little bit of a different situation because last year, like once Dame got shut down and then like Nurk and Simons and who everybody else got shut down, like even the young players that they quote unquote wanted to develop, like Nasir Little were shut down by the end of the season because they had injuries. And so they were just like playing out the string, throwing out like Kelgen Blevins and Elijah Hughes and CJ Ellaby and like all these you know, frankly, non-NBA players. Plus, like, Drew Eubanks and Trenton Watford, who are actually still in the rotation now and are actually decent NBA players. But, like, that stuff is not fun to watch. Like, I know... And you could justify it for, like, the short term of, like, last season. It was like, okay, Dame is hurt. Dame actually needed the surgery. Let's do this. This is the thing to do for this year. This makes sense. But, like, Dame is playing at the level that he's playing at, like, I understand where someone would be coming from where they would say, you know what? This team, like best case scenario, they make the play in and they lose to Phoenix or Golden State or Sacramento or whoever in the first round. One of the actually good teams in the West. So, you know, let's just shut Dame down. We don't want to risk him getting hurt. But it's like, if you're Dame, like last year he actually needed the surgery and he was actually hurt. And Maybe if they really, really wanted to, they could have had him come back towards the end of the year, but I think they all just kind of agreed, like, this was the best thing to do for that year. When he's not only fully recovered from that injury and fully healthy, but playing at arguably the highest level of his entire career, you want to go sit down with him and be like, hey, Dame, you know, I know you're having, like, the best season of your career right now, but, you know, let's just shut it down. Let's just make up a calf injury or something. Just, just Let's just shut it down, try to get a higher draft pick. I don't think Dame's going to go for that. Well, also, like, so you want the organization that's done nothing right by him for almost a decade. You want them to approach him and say, Hey, 
we know this year didn't go how you thought. We're going to get worse, and we need you to stop playing basketball. I just – I that would be the wrong approach. Uh, the tanking thing doesn't make sense for them. Uh, and I, I'm, I've come around. You talk about how you used to be young. You used to think, well, my team's not going to win, just tank. I've come around on the culture stuff. I, I think sometimes it can be exaggerated, but culture and winning and caring about winning matters. And I think it's why you see some organizations just routinely stuck in this. Like, everybody loves to praise the Sam Presti Oklahoma City thing, right? Shea Gilgis is having a great year. They've got mm-hmm. Chet coming back next year. Giddy's fun. And and I, I like some of those pieces. I think they can be a good team. But I'm kind of to the point now where it's like, okay, you got 34 first-round draft picks. Start trading them. Start caring. Because at some point, you keep sucking every year to go get the next great thing. You're just going to be what you are, a bad organization. You can say whatever you want about draft capital, but, you know, Portland gets out of that Chicago situation. I personally, even if they get the plan, I don't think they're beating seven or eight. You're not beating the Clippers or the Mavericks in a one game, yeah. uh, even with Dame. And so you'd be right there. You could use that to be another asset you could do, assuming you get out of the Chicago situation. Like, I just, I don't think it changes much for them. I think Wimby's going to somehow end up in San Antonio anyway because Greg Popovich always gets the international guy when he needs it. And you know what? You move on from that and you wipe your hands of the season. The season was not what you thought it would be. And now you just obtain assets by using whatever you have. Go use your resources. And please, for the love of God, go get another big-time player by exercising and using as many things as possible as it takes. The, I mean, the all-time example of this was, you know, the the process Sixers, but which I mean, you you and you look at there's so many examples of guys that early on in their careers like didn't really stick. You know, Jeremy Grant is one of them. That's where he started out. You know, Robert Covington. Like there are so many guys that became good NBA players later on once they got out of Philly and got out of like you know a situation where they were like told to you know expect to lose every year. Like like how do you how do you, how do you feel like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a, like, if you're a first round pick or a lottery pick, you have like a lot of guaranteed money coming in. And so you're, you're going to be fine. But if you're one of these undrafted guys or these second round picks where you only have really a couple of years to prove that you can stick in the league, you get to a team and you're like, Hey, we're going to play you, but we want you to lose as many games as possible. Like, what is that? What does that do? I, I mean, t- to me, it's like you, you want, you want these young guys to get used to you know you want them to build you know the right habits you want them to feel you know get used to winning get them to feel like they're playing for something and like yeah maybe if they decided tomorrow to shut dame down and pull the plug and hey we're gonna play shaden sharp 30 minutes a game now it's like okay i'd rather have shaden sharp play 15 minutes a game but like be actually playing in impact games that you know he where he's not just out there you know just messing up with no consequences you want him to feel like i have to actually contribute or else i'm not going to play like that, like I feel like that's just as valuable to a lot of these young guys as just purely reps or any of that stuff. Like I and I, 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 am with you on the draft capital thing. Like I think you know, I, I would agree with you. I don't, I don't think the Blazers when the playoffs start, whatever you know, April, whatever. It's like last game of the regular season is April 9th. and then there's like a week of play in, so it's like April what, 15th, 16th, whatever the first day of the actual playoffs is. If you're asking me to predict right now, I do not think that the Portland Trailblazers will be one of the eight teams actually playing in a 1-8 or 2-7 playoff series. But if they have the, you know, 11th or 12th best lottery odds versus the 9th or 10th best lottery odds... If you're in any of those spots and you end up winning the lottery somehow and getting Victor Wembanyama, then, you know, that changes a lot of things. But having the 10th pick versus having the 12th pick in the draft (laughs) is not really that materially going to affect your ability to use that pick to go get whoever, if that's what they're going to do with the pick. Well, I mean, yeah, Zach Collins, Donovan Mitchell, right? It's just a matter of how you scout it, where you pick them, where you land, all that stuff. I mean, Or to use that pick, like... Like if if total pie in the sky here, you know. Speaking of the, the the process Sixers, I know this has been like a popular topic on Blazers Twitter and other internet, you know, platforms lately. But 
let's say Philadelphia starts taking calls on Joel Embiid. I don't think Daryl Morey is going to be like, well, you have the 12th pick, but if you had the 10th pick, I'd be interested. I don't, I don't want the 12th pick. I'm good on that. Like, I don't think that, like, one or two different... Or, no, if it's not Embiid, it's, you know, Towns or Siakam or who, whoever. Whoever, like, the guy is that you're, you're going after in that scenario. I don't think the teams that are taking those, you know, calls or, or taking offers are really going to completely change their tune based on it being, like, two picks later in the lottery than it, you know, would have been if you had, like, intentionally lost some more games. So, the young player thing, I want to hit on that real quick. Like... Yeah, Shaden could play 30 minutes in a night where Dame sits and they don't care and they want to collect ping pong balls. Uh-huh. That's cool. You know me. I you know me. I've been on it from day You've one. You've been team play Shaden. This is what this play is one. Shaden. I you you officially won that debate. I had you on in like July. Yeah. And that was something you and I disagreed on pretty strongly. I thought they right. were going to just redshirt him and basically not play him all year like they did with Anthony Simons his rookie year. And you were like, "No, I think he's going to earn minutes." And you know, opening night of the season, he is in the rotation and has not, I mean, he had one game where he like missed with a finger injury, but he's played in, you know, assuming he doesn't miss more time, he will have played 81 of 82 games this year. They're real minutes, not garbage minutes. Well, and, and part of that too, like Gary gets hurt. There's an opportunity yeah. there. Look, I, I, it wasn't me predicting to be right versus your opinion. I kind of was like, he makes great points. He's right, but damn it. I want him to play, Man. but I, I would still rather him play 15 minutes against Utah in a playing game. Seeing what Dame does in that environment, seeing what that feels like, like feeling that pressure of it's win or it's go home. And, you know, if they got to that spot, they're there right now, I would pick them to win. It's Damian Lillard versus who? Walker Kessler? Like, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to bet on Damian Lillard there. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then you either get – I forget how it goes. 7-8. Oh, he's 7-8 that gets the 7. The winner of the 7-8 gets yeah. the 7th seed, and then the so loser you get the plays Clippers. the winner of the 9-10. Yes. So basically – you yeah. have to if you win if you're the seven eight you win one game you're seven you you're have in. to win two yeah you have to win two for the eight seed whether it be the or you have, or you have to win you have to it it's it's it people people understand people know how it works but 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 you get you get past Utah is my point and now Shaden's had one playoff game at least kind of under his belt and guess right. what he gets introduced to another against a Luca or a Kawhi and and I I wouldn't pick him to win that game but that's valuable yeah there's value in that versus playing. Sacramento and he's playing for 30 minutes to me and it doesn't matter at all. So I'm with you on the young player thing. I'm telling you, I, you and Eric do a great job when you guys do pods together. I love the Blazers versus Bulls stuff. But when you do the third eye thing, I, I love that. And I love that other people have kind of <laughs> ran with it. Watch Shay or watch Shay, watch Shay SGA to me. If that team does nothing but sit on their hands and go, well, we got young guys. We'll run it back. I don't know, man. I don't know if a guy is showing up to an all-star weekend for his first time in a all-fur coat just going, yeah, I'm cool to not win in Oklahoma City. Like, sometimes that expectation starts to hit in and guys become impatient. In Portland's oh, you, case so here, you man. Think, you think he's going to be – so you think he's going to be the next guy? I think maybe, it's or? – well, I think the one you're hinting at is correct. If James Harden goes to use in the way these these articles are making us believe – I like jo- I don't I don't have like direct sources with uh James Harden's camp or whatever, but I will say that when I was in Salt Lake City, that was so, and I, you know you 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 were talking to whoever through the whole weekend. That was something that a lot of people were talking about as something that they think is going to happen. I'm not saying I am reporting that it's going to happen, but yeah, that is like the general consensus is that a lot of people around the league think that that is going to happen. And then the article gets written about him and Houston, and I just – and by the way, I think that's an awful look for the league. But the article gets written, and so now you're like, okay, he's probably gone. Like, I don't think Joel is the dude, but maybe he's the guy that finally goes, I'm done. The process is over. You've given me Ben Simmons and a half-committed James Harden, and we didn't get it done, and thank you. Like, that's the pie-in-the-sky scenario. The other is maybe realistic. Toronto's not good. They're in the play-in. They could very well lose the play-in. It seems like he wants to move those pieces, and you're going to have a lot of capital. So, I, I just think you get if you get to the play in, like, cool. It doesn't make or break my opinion of the team. I'm not going to go. Well, it was a successful year. It wasn't, but I'll root for him in the play in and hope for the best, and assume that they're going to lose. And they got big moves to try to swing for in the summertime because you got to utilize this man, Sean. You, you've seen a lot of great players in your in your life in person. 
I don't know if you're seeing as efficient and high-level scoring as what Dame has been doing over God knows how many games at this point. How many games have you been to in person this season? Zero. Oh, one. One. As a media member, zero, because I'm a morning host and I am as not a civilian, psychotic. Though, like... At Denver, the Denver game that they blew, where Denver was down like 13 or Wait, something, and they came the one back. one where Jamal Murray hit the... Yes. Yeah. I was actually right behind him when he hit the shot. I was like, God uh-huh. damn it. But that was that still was an incredible Dame performance. Great game, yes. Like, yeah, he hit the shot. Some, I mean, he thought it was over. That's one that gets. That's one that just gets so you know, you know, swept under the rug just because now mm-hmm. he, you know he had the sixty point game against Utah, and then obviously the seventy one point game, and like, it's just pretty incredible just to watch this on a nightly basis. And I just, I feel like if I were just like a fan of the team watching at home. The team is going to be what it's going to be. They're either going to make the play in or not. They have 17 or whatever games left in the season. Wouldn't you rather watch 17 more of these types of Dame performances than watch the games and not have that? Oh, I mean, I let me just add my commentary to this, right? My idiot friends aside, I, I, I don't know what they'll do win-loss-wise. I'm all in on the scoring title. I don't want him to sit. Oh, yeah. I want him to get the scoring title. He's one point exactly away uh, from, I think it's Luca, and then it's Joel. It's like .8. He's one point average away. I think he's got at least two or three more 50-point performances. He probably has another 60 in him. You go out there, and you get a few 40s. Like, Sean, they've never had that. And, and I know it's not like the end-all, be-all for fans, but – I just, I kind of want that dude to just stack the resume at this point. If the team's not going to be good, pile on the legacy and give us as a franchise something we've never seen. We got three point contest. Let's see a scoring title. That's pretty big. And by the way, I looked it up last night. If you go back since 2000 and go look at the scoring title champion every year, the odds of a guy not being in the top 10 of the MVP, which is really possible for Dame. Oh, he's going to be in the top 10, I think. Well, the only one I found that wasn't was T-Mac. And I thought that was when he was in Orlando. Everybody else is like top four, top three, winning it, top five, top six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that year. Well, those teams weren't very good. That was Right. And that's kind of my point with Dame. I think he'll be in it, but like you've only had one example of that. And so he's got kind of this rare thing where he could be the first in the franchise's history. It'd be big for his resume. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just rooting for the scoring title at this point. I think he could. I mean, I think Dame is going to make. This is a prediction that I've just come up with in the last couple of days, and this is maybe more so about you know Steph Curry being injured for an extended period of time and what is happening with John Morant right now. Happening with John Morant right now, but I think Dame is going to make first team All NBA. I think it's going to be him and Luca as the two guards. Because right now, who, like right now, who's more deserving than one of those the, for the second spot? Like Luca's obviously a lock for one of them, but Steph's been out for a while. Jaw is, you know, Jaw's done, bro. Like they're not going to put really him on there. Into, I don't really want to get yeah. into that right now. But I don't, really, yeah. I don't really have any takes about the Jaw thing other than just like you know, got to be smarter than that. That's all I really have to say about mm-hmm. that. But like, those are the two guys that were quote unquote ahead of Dane. That basically the whole year they're both out of the picture for different reasons at this point. Who besides Luca has been better as a guard this year in the league than Dame? Nobody. Just like on an individual level, which you're evaluating for this, yeah. you know, this all NBA stuff. Well, the jaw thing, I mean, let's just not, we're not talking about the jaw story, but like even just the all NBA thing, uh-huh. jaw's not been better than Dame as a player. The team's had more success. He's not been better than Dame. He's just getting rewarded with team stuff. So I, to your because point, they have nobody. a much better roster. Right, right. But honestly, you know, you, you bring up Memphis, and obviously this year has been a disaster for them for, you know, that reason and, you know, some injuries and, and other stuff. But, and Dylan uh, Brooks. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you bring up Memphis. What we were talking about earlier as, like, an example of one of these, you know, teams full of, like, young guys that want, you know, it's better for them to have playoff experience than, like, a slightly higher lottery pick. Remember, like, the first, I think this was Jaws, what, second year in the league? The first year they did the play-in outside of the bubble. The year that Memphis beat Golden State in the play-in and got the first-round series against Utah. Mm -hmm. Nobody expected them to do that. Mm -hmm. And they lost to Utah in five games. 
but they were like pretty competitive in those five games and then suddenly after that it was oh look out for the Grizzlies and then they kind of had the year where they made the leap last year and so you know I think it was valuable for those young guys and Jaw was one of the quote-unquote young guys at the point at that point it was like him and Jaron Jackson and you know Desmond Bay, like all these guys that were on that team that were had no real experience playing in those types of situations even if they had lost that play-in game to Golden State it's like now you know what it's like to face you know a team with Steph Curry and Draymond Green on the other side like you mm-hmm. have to you know I think that's going to be even if let's say they go face Utah in the 9-10 I I would agree with you I think they would win that game let's say they lose okay now these you know Shaden Sharp and Trendon Watford and Nasir Little and Anthony Simons, who we forget, he was on the 18-19 conference finals team, but he wasn't really, like, playing that year. For all intents and purposes, Dame and Nurk and, I guess, Jeremy Grant, because he was with Denver and Oklahoma City, those are the only guys on the team that have, like, real playoff experience in terms of, like, being rotation players on playoff teams. Is it not, like, good for Nasir Little or for Trenton Watford or Jabari Walker, if he gets in or whoever, to be like, okay, now we know what a playoff game is like? Oh, I'd be super excited for him. Like, I, I, I told this to, uh, I told this to Danny, and, and you might get a kick out of this, uh, you know, because uh-huh. a lot of, there's always a lot of trade conversations that happen and the hypothetical world that people live in in the NBA. People I love like, that stuff, man. Oh, they eat it up. I, I, I border. I told, I told Danny, trending to me is borderline untouchable. <laughs> <laughs> it's I. It's, it, it's ridiculous, but like he's got a skill set thing that I just love and I think they need. And I'd love to see the development with it compared to what they would, you know, build out roster wise over the summer. But like to what if you're you saying. If you have somebody like Trent and Watford on a minimum contract, that's not somebody that you want to. No, for sure. Right. Now, but, like if, like if, like if Daryl Morey like insists on, oh, I'm not doing a Joel Embiid trade unless Trent and Watford is in. Unless Trent is in that. That's a different, that's a different thing. But like, yeah. But like I, I hear you. There, there. It's almost like there should be like a category of like. There's like the truly untouchable guys, and for Portland, there's only one guy who's on that list, and that's Dane. Most teams in the NBA, like as much as like every team's fan base, you know, things like oh, this guy's untouchable, this guy's untouchable. Every single player on, except for like there's like one or maybe two guys on every team. Like if you're Denver, Jokic is untouchable. I don't think Jamal Murray or Michael Porter or, you know, Aaron Gordon are completely off the table for somebody like of that level of an upgrade. It's like just Jokic or like for now it's just Embiid or like if you're, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're Orlando Paolo is probably that guy or like, they're like, they're like every team there's like one or maybe two guys that that is true of. But then there's like the other guys where it's like, you know, we would trade him for, you know, a, you know, that that type of trade but it's certainly not somebody we're looking to move or somebody that we would just put as a throw-in in a trade just to match salary or whatever that we actually really value and i think it's not unreasonable at all for you to consider trend and watford on that list how do you how would you rate what you think the blazers view between shaden and ant in this category i think they would like for Shaden to be the one that they keep because I mean and you and Danny have talked about this and this is you know I've talked about it on here I've written it it's all it's kind of not in a while though not in a while (laughs) I think that both of them will not be on the roster in training camp if one or the other if if they're gonna make the kind of upgrade that they're gonna you know that they want to make for you know some like all NBA type of like true second star for Dame or whatever. What I mean, there are there are some guys like MB. You probably have to include both of those guys in the trade, and you and you do it because it's you know an MVP candidate or you know that and that like makes you a title contender, like whatever. One or both of those guys is going to have to be traded, and probably one or the other, depending on who it is. So yeah. I don't think they will go into the raw into the uh, training camp with both Shane Sharp and Anthony Simons on the roster. I, I think I think they thing. would. I think they would like for Shaden to show enough because, like, athlete. And I actually like just got a mailbag question about this that published this morning. So this is good that you're bringing this up because I can plug it. RoseGardenReport.com. It's free to yep. subscribe, free to read the <laughs> free to read the mailbag. But you got to be a paid subscriber to submit questions to future mailbags. There's just a plug in there. But 
talent-wise and upside-wise, like, it's not even close. Shaden is the more, you know, he's the guy that, like, if he hits, like, the absolute best-case scenario, his ceiling is higher than Ant's ceiling. But Ant is much more of a sure thing in terms of what he's already shown, like, what you know you're going to get out of him, and it might not take him three years from now to hit his ceiling. I think if Shaden, either, you know, over these last 15 or whatever games of the season, or you know, in the summer, in workouts, or, you know, in the gym, shows them enough that, like, they're like, okay, no, he's ready to be the second guy. He's ready to make the leap. I think they their best-case scenario would be that Shaden shows enough that they're comfortable moving Ant. But if that doesn't happen, they might not have a choice but to have to say, okay, you know, we can get, like, a real game-changer guy if they want Shaden Sharp. I guess we got to do it. That's kind of where I'm at on it. I think it's, it's probably unfair in some ways to say this, but you know, having watched what their season has been and I, I just, you know, Dame CJ had a, had a great run. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not seeing for whatever that ceiling was. And obviously I think you'd say it's the West conference final season, right. To be what mm-hmm. their success was, but like whatever you thought it was, if they would have properly built out the rest of that roster, mm-hmm. I, I think in just year one, I, I just don't feel that same chemistry, I, I don't know, I, I lack of a better term, between him and Dame. I think Dame being out last year and him getting that run where, you know, he went off and right before they sh- he got shut down, like he was primary guard one, handling, handling the ball and usage rate was higher. And I just, I've never felt great watching them play together like they had that start the start was cool but there was some game winners in there and some shots went their way and like they've completely fallen off since then I know Ant's been hurt for a minute but I I just I'm kind of with you in terms of where where personally I think they would choose I think they would because I I just I'm not I'm not seeing it with those two the way that you saw it with the last rendition of the backcourt that that way well, I think it's kind of unfair to like already draw that conclusion because CJ and Dame had eight or nine years or whatever. A hundred percent. Also, and also 100%. like this is for for all intents and purposes, this is really the first season that they've had playing together because for the first Ant's first two years in the league, he barely played, and then right. last year uh, he started playing more, and then Dame, you know, had the injury. Like this is the first year that it's really been like you go into the season; those are your two starting guards. Like that that just has not been the case the rest of their careers like it took Damon cj like and even Damon cj like right away it took them a few years because like at the beginning of cj's career like his first couple years in the league were like the last years were of like the wesley matthews and batum and like those teams and like Mm -hmm. lamarcus aldridge where it wasn't just you know cj comes in the league and immediately it's him and dame as the number one and two options like it took time for them to build that too and like i i I I I I get where I totally get where you're coming from. I think I I think I I think it's like not an entirely apples to apples comparison. I'll say this too, and you know, you and Danny have talked about this too. I do not think that the attachment and refusal to even consider moving CJ that existed previously is there for any player besides Dame with the current front office. Like as much as like they love Ant. Joe loves Ant. They just gave Ant this contract. He's been really good this season for the most part when he's been healthy. They drafted Shaden. They love Shaden. They think Shaden can be a future all-star. If one or, if one or both of those guys has to be included for like a Joel Embiid or, you know, somebody like that, I have no doubt they would do it. I don't think they would be like, oh, no, we're not going to trade for, you know, an all-NBA, you know, guy that makes us a contender in the West because we love this guy that we drafted so much. I think, too, that let me add to it, like, as I – preface that by saying it's not entirely fair it it is an apples to apples and if they can go out this summer and there's a move that presents itself where they have the assets to 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 go get a pascal let i'm just throwing a name out there and they don't have to give up and i get it like run it back i'm not saying it's impossible i'm just saying like when you go a decade with doing something and then you restart it, but you restart it with the similar direction. Uh-huh. I, I think it just, it's not fair to him, but I think you get people that go, oh, so the last one didn't work when we did this 
but this one's this one's gonna be different. And I don't, oh, uh, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say it was a great year one for the debut of, yeah, this is going to be different. I, I don't think it's, but been it a also great wasn't a, that. it wasn't a great year one for a lot of things. Like the two, 100% right. Like to me, like to me, the two like unequivocal positives of this season that are like, there's no qualifier, like, oh, well, you know, there's this, but then they still need to work on this. The two things that are just completely like 100%, this is a positive. This is something you can feel good about moving forward from this season one is that dame is back and dame is as good as he's ever been or better the other is that jeremy has fit in just as well as everybody thought he would when they traded for him those are the two mm-hmm. things that you can point to and say these are unequivocal successes these are the two mm-hmm. things that we know for sure we have going into next year everything else you know you can talk me into either direction well 100 well you also shortchanged my guy drew eubanks uh, you know yeah you didn't give him his flowers for the season he's yet, the but, guy, uh... drew is the <laughs> drew is the guy that i actually for the most you know for his sake i really hope that the news that we just talked about at the top of the show about nurkic maybe playing on this road trip is true because like, like drew is doing the best he can and chauncey has praised him all season for the amount of effort that he puts in but you put him up against Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or in the game right before the All-Star break against Kristaps Porzingis, he doesn't have a shot. And it's not because, a knock on him. It's not anything he's doing or not doing. He just, you put a 6'9 guy up against Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, like, it's not going to go well. Like, I for, yeah, so just if, for his sake, I just for his sake, I hope, I hope Nurkic is able to play against Philly. Well, put him against Clint Capella and it doesn't go well. I mean, it right. just... It, it, He's he's and it's under not, it's, just spot, a, it's just a size thing. He's doing the best he can, but like he's a twelve the, to fifteen minute a game guy on a good team. For 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 your listeners though, I want to be fair here. Like I I I think more people are probably in line with you, and they're like, "Oh, really, Sprague? Like you're gonna say that?" And it's not fair. But I'm sorry to have the opinion. I'm we're on a timeline here. This this isn't twenty six year old Damian Lillard. And I, I'm not saying Dame's in the last year of a prime, but damn it, man. Like you you just said, right? It took two, three years for the Dame CJ. I, three years? I mean, if they don't find that right wing player to pair with Jeremy Grant, Dame, and Ant, I we don't have three years. I'm I'm on a Dame timeline here. So everything I evaluate and everything I think is on the Dame timeline. It's not, well, when Ant's 27. He's really, I don't care. And then Shane, it'll be 22. Care. And then like, they yeah, can, yeah, I, no, I, and, I don't and, care. And just from his post trade deadline press conference and his comments, I think Joe Cronin feels that, and I haven't, I haven't talked to Joe since the press conference. So I, I, you know, this isn't like exclusive information. This is just like stuff he said on the record in the last month since the trade deadline. I think Joe is operating from the same standpoint that you are, that the only thing that's going to be important in whatever uh, moves he makes going forward this summer, next trade deadline, whatever the case may be, is how does this help Dane contend? That's going to, and that's why I said like, if both Anthony Simons and Shade and Sharp and, and like a four first round picks or whatever have to be included in a trade for Joel Embiid or somebody of that caliber, Joe is going to be like, does this make us with Dame a contender? Yes. Okay, fine. Do it. It sucks to trade these guys. It sucks to trade these picks, but it's what we got to do. That's what the, that's what it is. And I think I think Joe knows that, and I think he understands that he's on the clock and that the organization is kind of on the clock to make this happen while Dame is still playing at this level. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just think it's um, – I tend to agree with that based on what we've seen comment-wise. Now, the summer's going to – that's a different challenge. The summer's different, right? And yeah. They, they they got a lot of swinging to do for the fences, and, and I hope that they come up big or come up to the point where you can at least acquire the right piece or pieces to get to even where Wes and L.A. and Dame teams were. Like, be that sneaky good team that teams don't necessarily want to face, and maybe your bench is a little better because, oh, by the way, uh, assuming, you know, you make some of those moves, oh, you got a Trendon Watford off the bench, and he's kind of underrated and under the radar, like, I at least and that's want the thing that. when you trade when you trade like let's say like the absolute pie in the sky scenario comes true and the trade ends up being Joel Embiid for Simon's Sharp 
Nurkic to match salary and however many picks and swaps that it takes to make that happen. Let's say that that happens, and then you re-sign Grant for whatever I think they're going to re-sign him for. Your big three, so to speak, are MB, Dame, and Jeremy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a Lakers, you know, LeBron, AD, Russ, and the whole rest of the roster is like vet men guys who are like not barely NBA players or like past their prime veterans. Like, you've still got Nasir Little on a good contract at that point. You've still got Trenton Watford on a minimum. You've still got Jabari Walker on a minimum who's shown some stuff. You're going to be able to re-sign Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel as restricted free agents for probably not that much money, both of whom have shown some stuff in the last few weeks mm -hmm. since the trade deadline. Like, they're going to have this other stuff available, and they're going to be able to still, if you have those three guys and that's taking up most of your cap, they're going to still be able to get guys around them so that at least you have you know you can go seven eight deep of like nba rotation players so it's not just your three super you know max or close to max guys and then a bunch of you know minimum guys and like if if either of your main guys gets injured you're screwed i d i just i i don't want the current front office situation you you brought up the past and how they were reluctant right. to, to to make certain guys available right i would i would be a miserable miserable i would be an awful general manager but i can tell you right now the one thing i know i would do is i would be a daryl Morey, tim Conley type now you can say well how's that going for minnesota i get it 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 doesn't look great you're and i's opinion of hey i liked the move you're minnesota why not it's not going great that's fine okay whatever i still but i'm not gonna it. i i do too I, i'm not gonna get fired or lose my job and be like yeah I didn't really swing for the fences there, did I? If I'm going to lose my job, you're not going to go, well, Brandon Sprague was a GM who didn't do anything. You're going to at least go, he tried that one move. The move didn't work, and it cost him. But, like, that is how I would just operate. What is it going to take to win? And I, the Dame press conference that, that sticks with me, he's had a million of these, but, you know, the most recent one, when he was – he's dropped 70, and he was in the post game, and he shared that story about – People don't appreciate journeys. They don't appreciate the in them now, like going and winning a four overtime game in the playoffs and what that locker room is like. Like, yeah, he wants to win the championship. There's been like eight teams to win the title in 35 years or whatever. People don't appreciate that. that hearing that comment, that gave me goosebumps. I don't know how you operate in a world where you're hyper competitive and you watch that guy say that because he wants to continue playing for your franchise and you go, yeah, I'm not willing to risk this guy and this guy and this guy for the dude that's shown me all the loyalty, all the love, and done nothing but represent, you speak of Ja, represent my city in a great way and our organization right. in a great way. I'm going all in. And if I fail, I fail. And I don't know Joe personally, but by God, I hope he's living by that. I know Joe, you know, decently well and just from you know from, from what i've you know been able to gather i think that is his i mean he he had that line at his press conference and now obviously you know gms can say whatever they want at press conferences and you know you take it with a grain of salt until it happens but he said i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up the exact quote because i have it uh transcribed here but i thought this was actually pretty telling uh this was from his press conference right after the trade deadline uh i am trying to find uh which, by the way, for the audience out there, as you look up the line, not an easy press conference to, to go have to do. Not only did you not do what many were hoping you would, but then you also traded away the free agent that you signed. And that and then five minutes, literally, and, literally five minutes before yeah. that press conference started. Uh, and then here's Sean Hyken going, hey, Joe. There's a report out there, and he's like, right, and I, right, oh, and it looked man. like I was like ambushing him or trying to like put him on the spot, and I was just like, no, you know, I no, I it was like, no, man, I literally saw this at the same time that everybody else did, like five you, minutes before. Like, you need to be commended. I need you to know, like, you don't need to defend yourself there. You did your job, and I don't care if it comes off as ambushy or whatever. Everybody was thinking the same thing. Everybody had Twitter up. They all saw the report. And he was talking like, I was glad that you did that. You did the right thing there. Okay, I've got the, I've got the quote here. I've got the quote. Uh, here's, this is, this is, I'm just going to read as much of this as I think is. Uh, 
okay, here we go. Here's here, here's here's what he says. Uh, you you won't see from this group a lack of trying. This is Joe Cronin on like the day after the trade deadline that before the Oklahoma City game. You won't see from this group a lack of trying or a lack of innovation or a lack of creativity. We're going to be ridiculously aggressive to the point where once we push all our chips all the way in, you might look and say, wow, they lost that deal. They gave up a lot for that guy. But that's just us pushing our chips in. We feel extremely obligated to put a great roster around Damian Lillard. And when I say we, that's from the top. Uh, Jody and I have had a lot of conversations about how important it is for us to do right by Dame. We plan on doing that. But, and you can ask Dame this, he understands it. It doesn't always fall into place immediately. So he literally said, like, eventually we're going to do a trade where people look at it like the Rudy Gobert trade, where people are like, wait, they gave up so much money. They gave up so much for that guy. Like, and, you know, you can look at it the other way. Like, the other big jazz, you know, trade like that, the Donovan Mitchell one, that's working out great for Cleveland right now. That's going great exactly as well. They gave up a ton for Donovan Mitchell, and that's going phenomenally for them. Like, they, they, you know, they're one of the, I don't think they're as good as Milwaukee and Boston, but they're, you know, right up there with the other teams in the East. Like, they, that trade did exactly what mm-hmm. they hoped it would do when they made that trade. And so, I I don't know. I think it, I think it was, I would say it was encouraging to hear Joe say that, you know, we are willing to, like, quote-unquote overpay for somebody like that if we think it really like puts us in, in in a position to contend for Dane. Well, and I, you know, I think the one thing I've had, yeah, I've had listeners on the radio show. I've seen people on Twitter, like, Hey, how come how after, especially after the deadline, why don't you criticize Joe? And I'm like, well, can we, I'll give him one more. Like, can I give him a summer? Like I wasn't expecting them to even make a big move at the deadline personally. And then the, the, the GP two thing happens. And I, I see that I get buzz on my phone. I'm like, well, that's an awful situation, and clearly something's mm-hmm. not right there. But, like, this immediate, like, oh, you were so hard on the last guy. It's like, oh, you mean the guy was here for 10 years and lost LaMarcus for nothing and wouldn't trade uh, a copycat player, a clone, for an obvious need that they had? Like, yeah, I was hard on that guy. If Joe goes 10 years, I think that's the quote that you just pulled. Like, if they come back next season – and it's basically this is the roster and there isn't any new significant piece. Pull that quote up and be like, hey, you may remember you you said and I quote and then you read it off. And like, that's when you hold accountability. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be reading quotes directly. To no, I know, but you, you, you get my anymore. overall point. That was- I did. I did. No, I, 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 I did. I did that once in the moment and I still think it was yeah. the right thing to do. I don't I don't I, I do, too. I don't. I don't know if that I don't know if that's something I want to start doing. I, no, I know, but you catch my point is he's put no, I got that you. in ink now of like, yo, this is the expectation. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. summer is and, there for you. And one thing that I and I think Danny has talked about this many times on your guys' program and on here on here with me when he's been on and on mm-hmm. his rate on his radio show on your network and, and wherever else. Our network, Sean. Our network. Technically, yes. Uh, so so far, everything Joe has said he was going to do, he's done. He cleaned up the books as far as like future salary cap stuff. It took him, you know, a year to do that, getting all the you know contracts off the books that were like bad long term stuff. He took big upside swings. He drafted Shaden Sharp. You know, he signed Gary Payton the second, even though they had you know more positions of need he took kind of a talent you know swing that one was a misfire but he took a swing like he know he didn't say oh all of my moves are going to be perfect and you know you get between you know how it shook out in the end with the, you know the weird medical stuff and just how long it took for him to come back like his first big free agent signing was a misfire that has to be that has to be said but you can understand the place that it was coming from and it's been consistent with the way that he's talked about how he wants to do the job and how he wants to build the roster. So until proven otherwise, I'm inclined to believe that Joe Cronin is being honest about his intentions. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I think, you know, the GP two thing was so bizarre and I think it caught a lot of people off guard that it was an immediate like, Oh, it's an S show. They don't know what they're doing over there. And I understand it. I get it. But I, in a, in a, in a vacuum, man, there's, there's always more to a story. 
clearly you saw right. the reaction from Golden State side where you're immediately like, oh, and that team lied to us. And then that they were like, what? Turns out- Excuse me? <laughs> Turns out the reporters were the one that did the the lying there. Right. So, you know, I, I just I think it's a big offseason for him. And, and personally, like. I, I wanted to ask you, make sure I get this in, in the, on the pod with you. Um, I, I get a lot of noise on Chauncey. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Chauncey so far? This is another thing that I got a mailbag question about this morning that I published. I Where did the, you publish uh, it at? The rosegardenreport.com. Oh. Funny you should ask. There you go. Go subscribe. Go subscribe. I'm not a, like, basketball X's and O's expert, so I'm not going to get out here and, like, do film breakdowns of, like, oh, I think Chauncey's play calling is this or this or his out-of-timeout strategy is this or or, or, or whatever. Like, I, that just is not my area of expertise. And, you know, one thing about me is, that, like, I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert in something if I'm not. Like, I'll be honest with you. If, like, there's something that is not really my wheelhouse and I just will, you know, not, you know, give an opinion just to give an opinion. I do the same thing with the draft. I don't watch any college basketball, so I don't really – have strong opinions about draft prospects for the most part, but what, what I will say though, about the, about the coaching thing is I have covered teams in the past that it was obvious that guys were tuning the coach out. You know, the last Tibbs year in Chicago, both of the Fred Hoiberg years in Chicago that I had, he never really had any of those locker rooms with like Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade and like Joakim Noah, uh, Honestly, the last year of Terry Stotts, guys were kind of over it. And, you know, there were some guys like Dame, would, you know, rode with him till the end. But, you know, there were some guys who didn't like different things about him. And, you know, mm-hmm. frankly, the first half of last season before they traded everybody away, there were guys who didn't love Chauncey's approach or didn't love their role yeah. on those team, on, on that yeah. team. A lot of those guys are not there anymore. I'm in the locker room before and after pretty much every home game. I have not really gotten a sense that anybody on the team or anybody in the locker room is unhappy with their role or has tuned Chauncey out or, you know, doesn't buy into what he's trying to preach. Like the team isn't very good because they don't have the level of talent to be, you know, to play the way that they want to play or to play at the level they want to play at. Like I've seen, it's all a long winded way of saying I've seen teams quit on a coach and I've seen team, you know, a coach not be able to hold a locker room or guys like not respect them or not, you know, buy into what they're doing. And I have not seen that with this team. And that's, I think that's the one thing that I am qualified to really, you know, pass judgment on because I've seen what it looks like when it goes the other way. And that's not something that I have really seen with this group. Well, I personally, I hate college basketball, and I YouTube every prospect for 10 minutes, and then I, <laughs> I get an opinion. So I think you need to jump on that, that bandwagon, yeah, Sean. I think you no, need to dive just, in. Uh, what are we going to do this year without the Mike Schmitz video breakdowns to, uh, to I know. To Who, who's replacing Schmitzy on ESPN? I don't know who's replacing him on ESPN. Uh, you know, I think there are other, like, I think Kyle Mann does a great job at the Ringer. That's a guy that does yep. a lot of film breakdowns and stuff. He's really good. I'm a big fan of Kristen Peak at Yahoo. I think she does really and like she she's she's very similar to Schmitz in the way that like I see her at all of these things. Like all yeah. of the not just like the big college tournaments, but like all the international stuff, all the AAU stuff. Like she's she's out there like in person, you know, scouting these guys. Like she knows these guys probably as well. Now that Schmitz is out of the media space, she probably has like had eyes on these on these people for longer than anybody so i'm a fan of hers like there are other folks i probably he's not like with a major media platform but my my guy brian schroeder who's like a longtime friend of mine who's a his his twitter is brian j draft uh he he is really good at this kind of stuff and has been doing it for a long time so i want to give him some props and give him a mention but there are guys that i i turn to but i mostly just like I'm I'm not I'm not going to be sitting. I mean, you know, this is more Danny's thing than it is mine. And he, you know, Danny's great at that, and he does like those like prospect video breakdowns once the, you know, it gets into that time of year. So that's just that's just not really my lane. So I don't really do it. I just kind of let oh. the people who are I let the people who are actually good at it do it, and then you know I I bring them on to be like, no, you you edge. It's 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 honestly it's the same thing that I did. 
you know, throughout the season, like when the Blazers were playing somebody interesting, like right. last week I had Christian Clark on who covers the Pelicans. And I'm like, yeah. the Pelicans are, are an yeah, interesting. Good. Yep. Pelicans are interesting. They're a team that's like kind of in the same tier as the Blazers. I want to know what's going on with them. I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, I watch every single Pelicans game. I know the ins and outs of their <laughs> entire season. So I'm going to bring somebody on who actually does. And that's kind of the same way I do with the draft. So I'll, you know, when it gets to that, you know, whether the Blazers are in the lottery and, you know, we're looking at maybe, you know, which top 10 guys are they targeting if they don't trade the pick or, they sneak into the playoffs, give that pick to Chicago, and they still have that pick from the Knicks that's going to probably be like the high teens, low 20s, what, somewhere in there. There's still somebody that they might be looking at with that, so I'm whoever they end up taking, I'm going to get somebody on who has seen them, that player more than I have and you know, get, get, opinion, you know, get some perspective that way. That's usually how I like to do it. I need the Sean Hyken Rose Garden Report lottery hit or miss, and I need you to go through all the lottery picks and you tell us, good, great, or bust, and then we'll just keep track as the years go by, year after year, and it'd be great because you'd just admit, I didn't watch this dude play, not a second, but his Are name, we... his look, it all looks good. <laughs> well, my guys, uh, do you do you know, uh, are you familiar with Round Ball Rock? Uh, familiar, podcast. yes, not like, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a basketball podcast that's hosted by a couple buddies of mine, Joey Devine and Sean Keen, who are stand-up comedians in L.A., and it's like it's like a it's like a half serious, half not serious <laughs> podcast. And they have like a lot of different running bits. There's a lot of like the like the like the Zach Lowe one beer thing came from that, or like for right. example, or like like there's like there's a lot of different like bits like that that they that they do. But one of their recurring things that they do every year, like a week before the draft, is they will go through the list of like the top fifty prospects and just based purely on their name not even based on anything knowing anything about their game what school they went to what their stats were anything about their background or their college performance or you know where they're from or whatever this is the player's name is that a bust name a star name or a just a guy name <laughs> and it's a pretty they have actually a pretty good hit rate on it I would say uh, I bet you somebody stole that idea because now I'm seeing that in the NFL at the combine. I'm seeing guys assess, is he a franchise quarterback based on his face? Do you look at his face and go, yep, franchise quarterback. That dude looks like a franchise quarterback. <laughs> it's so funny. You can't do you can't do that in the NBA anymore because like Nikola no. Jokic looks so not much not to get into the MVP discourse, which is like probably as toxic right. as it's ever been. And I've never been more happy that I don't actually have a ballot for the awards or any of this. Stuff. What so are you a I racist mean, voter, Sean? <laughs> I I don't know who I would vote. I'd probably vote for Jokic, but I don't have a definitive answer of who I vote for because I don't have to. That's the thing. So, like, I don't. Yeah. My, my but, only discourse on the MVP, I just want to say real quick, it's not that Jokic isn't deserving. It's that I, I do value the other side. And Giannis is amazing on the other side. So I tend to, to lean that way. I tend to feel like with any of these things, the more effective way, if you think somebody should win MVP, to make the case is to make a case for your guy and not be like, oh, this other guy sucks for this reason because it's less. It's it looks more like you have an agenda or you're yes. Like if you want to, if you want to say, you know, Giannis should be MVP because the Bucks are the best team in the league and you know he's just as dominant as he was the last couple of years when he won MVP and he's like the be best player in the league in a playoff series. If you want to make that case, that's a great case to make. If you want to say to you know. I think Joel Embiid should win MVP because he's the most dominant defensive big man in the league and the Sixers are a top mm -hmm. four seed. And, you know, he's also putting up, like, that's a good case to make. You don't have to also be like, well, but, you know, Nikola Jokic, just like, he's not good because, like, the analytics are just, you know, misleading or, you know, what, what, whatever, whatever it is. Like, whenever it gets into the stuff that's not, whenever it gets in, whenever it gets into, like, oh, this guy that everybody thinks is going to win MVP shouldn't win because that's when it gets into, like, the bad faith stuff. Like, if you're going to make an argument for somebody, like, make an argument for that guy. Don't make it about, you know, you know what it kind of reminds me of, like, on a much less serious level. But this past fall, in, like, the three weeks leading up to the midterm elections, every other commercial on TV 
was uh was a on behalf it was either like a, a campaign ad put on by like the campaigns of like a candidate for governor or city council or whatever the case may be or like a pat or like a political action committee associated with you know that candidate or, or whatever i would say 90 percent of the ads that i saw from both sides of the spectrum were entirely about attacking the person that the person is running against and not about these are the good things that this candidate has done this is why you should vote for them and, and it was a right, lot more right. of like this is how terrible this person that they're running against is and this is why you shouldn't vote for them and i just you know obviously like like that type of stuff has a lot more real world consequences than like who wins the mva mvp like i think the world will keep turning if nicole Jokic is the three-time consecutive mvp and doesn't win a championship like we'll all be okay but like I just feel like if you're going to make a case for Embiid or Giannis or Luca or whoever, make the case for that guy. Don't make the case of like, oh well, Jokic shouldn't win it because of this. Well, and That's and I'll where just I say, down on it. yeah, and I, I tend to agree. I will say like three straight though to me is like it's such rarefied air in the league. What have there been three, mm-hmm. four guys that have ever done it? Last one was was Larry Bird, mm-hmm. like. I'm kind of old school here. This is my only fuddy-duddy old school basketball take. Like, winning at the highest level, when you start to get into the rarefied air of, hey, something that only three other guys have ever done, I kind of become curmudgeon-y basketball guy. And I'm like, so second round and out for the three-time MVP, like the three-straight MVP guy. Like, I just, that matters a little bit to me. Um, but I, I'm not going to tear him. I mean, how do you tear him down? He, he he's, he's an amazing an player. Season. Nobody, Phenomenal. nobody's going to look at no. Nobody, you know, take taking all the the other stuff out of it. Like just looking at the season Jokic has had. If you look at his, you know, stat line with his, you know, name and all the other context removed, and you showed somebody like his stats and his team's record, and was like, this player won MVP. Most people would be like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. Yeah, offensively, probably the greatest seasons we've ever seen offensively. But yeah, yeah I, I would understand. There's, just, it. there's, but it's also I think I think the other thing that has like contributed to like a, a, a lot of this toxicity of it, and I think to be clear, I think it's good that ballots are public now, and the league releases the names and like the actual ballots of everybody who votes on these awards because I think that type of transparency and accountability is good especially when it gets into like guys have contract incentives tied to stuff. And that's also why they, you know, it used to be that like team broadcasters would have a vote. And now it's like anybody who's a team employee doesn't have a vote because like they might have an interest in their guy winning it or somebody else Mm -hmm. winning it or whatever. But I think it's good that that transparency is out there, but I also think it's led to a lot of like, group think or, or or just like people feeling like oh you know if i if i don't vote for the guy that everybody thinks i should vote for i'm gonna get crushed on social media and so i'm just gonna kind of vote <laughs> the same way everybody else votes because of you know be, you know because i don't i don't want to deal with the mentions which i mean i'll be honest i said earlier that i'm glad that i don't have a vote for these awards if i did if the league came to me and said hey we want you to vote on the awards I would put in the work and take it seriously and actually try to do a good job and try to vote for the right people. I wouldn't, and I don't think anybody who does vote on the awards at this point just does this, but like, I think that most of the people who, you know, have ballots, you know, actually put in the work and, you know, take the, take the responsibility seriously. And I would approach it the same way, but I also am not sad that I don't have to deal with like, Oh, you, you know, as soon as the ballots come out, you know, there's one vote that like, oh, you voted my guy third instead of second. Like, you're an idiot. And like, you have to deal with that. Like in your mentions all day. Mm. Like, I, oh, I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm good. I'll be, I'll be Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Uh, give me the vote. <laughs> let me vote. I'll take it seriously. And then if you want to come at me, I'll be the guy in the sword and everybody's coming in with the horses. I'm ready for yeah, it. I, I would love I, it. I, I'm, I'm too I, old. As a non-voter, as a non-voter, let me vote one time. That's all I'm asking sure i mean it is kind of a prestige thing like just it's cool uh, it's a cool thing to have a vote man yeah yeah but i'm i used to when i was younger i used to like actively i used to really want to vote because i was like oh it's a status thing it'll mean i've made it in the industry now i like mostly actively don't want one 
<laughs> I'm just like, I'm you got good. your dream. And you're like, nah, that's not a cool dream. It's not that cool. It's not that cool of a dream being, you know, being sent an email link to click on like some drop down menus. I remember one year, uh, cause they used to do it. I, I, I don't think they do it this way anymore, but I think they used to do it by a drop down menu. And thankfully for whichever person this was, this was before they started making the ballots public. Uh, it was like you could just like drop down from every player in the league that's eligible for this award. And somebody, there was one person for sixth man of the year that voted first place. I forget what year this was, mm-hmm. but voted first place sixth man of the year, Jordan Crawford. Clearly meant to check the box for Jamal, but accidentally like <laughs> met one down and, and checked Jordan Crawford instead. <laughs> And now, like, that person, if that ballot was public, clearly it was an honest mistake. Like, but, like, if that person, if that ballot was public, that person's going to get killed by that for the rest of their career. Did LeBron have him removed as a voter after he picked Jordan Crawford? Or <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And on that note, I think that's probably a good place. We somehow got an hour out of... A Blazers team that there's really not a whole lot to say about. It's it's actually really funny. I was this mailbag that I published this morning, like all the questions that I got, like were just like giant shrubs. It's like how uh you know how much of this is coaching? I don't know. Yeah. How yeah. how do you build a good defense around Damon Ant? I don't know. Right. How, what's Justice Winslow's status update? I don't know. Why haven't they signed <laughs> anybody on the buyout market? Like, that's kind of just where the team is at. Like, Dame is awesome. The rest of the team isn't very good. Yeah. Uh, Nurkic might be back soon. We somehow got an hour out of it. So Hey, dude, I, I love – you know I love talking hoops with you. We get a little <laughs> outside of the Blazers. We weave the Blazers back in. and We're going to do more of this during the playoffs once the Blazers are not in it anymore. I yeah. Because, like, cause like I, I've already been – like, there's some stuff I want to do. Like, I want to do some, like, season in review stuff. But, like, there's – not gonna be a whole two months worth of focused blazers topics between the season ending and the draft and free agency stuff getting ramped up so we're gonna we're gonna do some like let's check in on the whole rest of the playoffs and just kind of bounce around and do this kind of stuff we're gonna do some of that in like late april early may that type of thing all i ask is for people root hard and root very, very uh, hopeful that uh, Damian Lillard can indeed get a scoring title. It's awesome, and I'd love to see him do it. Brandon Sprague, Jack Ramsey's, uh, Dirt and Sprague, what, 7 to 10? 6 to 9 a.m. 6, 6 to 9, 9 a.m. 6 yes. to 9, 1080 the fan, Woo. Monday through Fridays. 1080 the fan, yep, yep. Thanks as always, man. Hey, as a long-time, first-time Rose Garden Report subscriber. Thank you, Sean, for all that you do. It's a pleasure talking hoops with you, man.